Well, every one of us has relationships. In fact, we wouldn't even exist if it weren't for two people coming together and having relations, as it were. We all exist because of relationship. And from the very first moment that we enter into this world, we're connected to relationship, literally connected to relationship. We all have relationships. And over the next 10 weeks, we're going to be looking at several of the different types of relationships we have in our lives and seeing what the Bible's wisdom is to speak into those different areas. We all have relationships. It might be friends, it might be enemies, it might be spouses, it might be fiancés, boyfriends, girlfriends, neighbors, whoever it might be. We all have different kinds of relationships, each and every one of us. We've had relationships, we will have relationships, and we currently do. This could be strangers, this could be people that maybe you've only met once and will never see again, or people you've known your whole life and will live your the rest of your life with. There's people that you like. There's people you don't like. There's people you wish liked you. There's people maybe you wish didn't like you. There's all sorts of different kinds of relationships that we have. And many of our relationships are marked by difficulty. They're marked by frustration. They're marked by some sort of pain. Relationships can be the greatest joys we have, but they can also be the deepest source of frustration and the deepest source of hurt. I used Lyft the other day. Lyft is a, a ride-sharing program, so it's kind of like a taxi, but just normal people that, not that taxi drivers aren't normal, but just non-professional drivers that just you, you uh, are selected on the app and they come pick you up. A little bit of a scary thing. You don't know who's going to come get you, but I used it for the first time, and cool guy that's a tattoo artist, he came and picked me up, and he's just doing this on the side to make extra cash, and he told me that when he's giving somebody a tattoo, it's a very intimate experience. It's a very vulnerable experience. If you've ever gotten a tattoo, you would know this, or maybe uh, if you haven't, I mean, imagine going to a place, you don't, you don't know the people, you take off your shirt, they jab needles into you, they color on your body, you're there for a couple hours, someone's right up next to you. It's a very intimate, vulnerable experience. And he said that what happens is as soon as people get into that vulnerable place, that intimate place, that immediately they begin to share about their messed up relationships. And that's true with us, right? If you get vulnerable, if you go to a place where you're really willing to share what's going on in your life, you're really willing to share about the hurts and the pains and the, the deep things, oftentimes what it's going to be about is relationships, Unmet expectations in relationships, frustrations in past relationships, hurts maybe from parents or from previous uh, romantic relationships, whatever it might be. You'll go to a place when you're vulnerable where you begin to talk about relationships. This is something that we all have. And we all have difficulty in our relationships. All of us do. Or you will if you haven't in the past. And this isn't just something that tattoo artists know. This is something that Google knows as well. Google uses an algorithm when you type in, if you don't know what an algorithm, that is okay. I don't really know what it is either. I just say the word. But you type in when you're searching on Google and it autofills, right? You've done this before if you have the internet. You, you've typed in something and it fills it in for you. That's based on our collective psyche. It's based on the, the searches that people most often search. And here's what happens when people search relationships in Google. The first thing that comes up, if you put relationships are a waste of time, hard, not very positive things. This is what we associate relationships with. Or here's what happens if you say, what metaphorically, what are relationships like? 
If you were to compare relationships to something, what would it be? Here's what Google says. Relationships are like farts. And I don't think it's just because junior hires, pardon my French, I don't think it's just because they are using Google. I think it's whatever that means, they stink, they're things we don't want to be around, they're like glass. I don't know what that means. They cut you, they shatter. Um, Relationships are like haunted houses. If you had any relationships like that, my relationship just feels like a haunted house. Relationships are like sharks. They will eat you alive, right? Drown you. I mean, this is, this is when you think about relationships, oftentimes it, it touches a nerve because we've had so much difficulty in our relationships. Now, I know that some of you that are uh, couples, you're holding hands right now. No, that's what I, I wouldn't say that. You're not like a fart or a shark. Hopefully that's not combined, you know, <laughs> a shark fart. I don't know what that would be like. But relationships are marked with difficulty all the time. Relationships are marked by difficulty. But here's the thing. The health of your relationships, the quality of your relationships, are not based on an absence of difficulty. It's not based on no difficulty. The health and quality of your relationships are based on how you handle that difficulty and who you become through that which is why we're talking about it. It's not let's avoid the difficulty or let's pretend it's not there. It's how do we actually handle it? Who do we actually become through it? And that's what we're, that's what we're looking at over the next 10 weeks. And here's something I'd like you to do tonight. There should be a note card in front of your pew and a pen. And I want you to write down the names of three different relationships in your life. This could be a stranger that you kind of quasi-know, an acquaintance, a barista. It could be the person sitting next to you. It could be anybody you want. Just write down the names of three different relationships, and you're not going to turn this in or anything like that. You won't get graded based on the quality of those relationships. It's just for you to kind of have during this night together where we will talk about relationships and just gives you an opportunity to have a few people in mind as we talk about some of this stuff. And as we talk about relationships, in the coming weeks, we'll look at specific relationships that we have. But before we do that, we have to just ask the question, why do we have relationships to begin with? Why do we have them? Before we can look at the specifics of the different relationships we have, we have to just ask the question, why do we have relationships? Why do we need relationships? What are they there for? So let's look at three different reasons. Here's here's the first. We were made for them. See, we were made for relationships. In the opening book of the Bible, the opening book is Genesis. And if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in front of your pew, and you can take that. That's, that's yours. If you don't have one, take it, take it home. It's our gift to you. In the opening book of the Bible, Genesis, and in the first couple chapters of the Bible, it talks about God creating the world. He creates the world, and, and often this is what it will say, some format like this. God, it will say, And God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God said, let there be plants, and there was plants. And God said, let there be frogs and dogs and and hogs and all those things, and, and there they were. So God speaks, and then these things come into existence. And however that happened, it happened. But when it gets to God creating humans... Something different, it says. And here's what it says in Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. You can open it in the Bible if you want, but it's up here on the screen as well. Then God said, when he gets to humans, let us, notice the plural, let us make man in our image, and that's mankind, after our likeness. 
And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female. He created them. So here is something that many commentators have noticed when they're looking at this part in the Bible. That when God creates everything else, like I said, it's just God said this and it was there. God said this and it was there. But when he gets to humans, we notice a plurality. He says, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Now, this is something I can't totally get into tonight because it's a big topic. But in the Bible, there's a doctrine called the Trinity. Which is to say, and if this is the first time you're hearing this, I know it's going gonna, it's gonna to sound strange. So I understand that. I know this can be confusing. But there is one God, but he exists in three different persons. Not three different gods, not one God that's schizophrenic with different personalities. But it's one God with three different persons, three in one. And there's many different illustrations that people have um, used to try to explain that, whether it's an egg that has a shell, a yolk, the white, or water, steam, ice, different, different types of things that people have kind of tried to use to explain that. We could talk about that all night. That's not what we're talking about, okay? So put that on pause if you're like, this is crazy. That's insane. Okay, I, I know, I know. One famous theologian said that if you try to understand the Trinity, you lose your mind, and I agree. Okay, but... What is important from this is that forever, eternally, God has existed in relationship. God has existed in community from the very beginning. God didn't create people because he was lonely. God didn't create people because he needed someone to hang out with and text with. For, from the very beginning of time, God has existed in relationship, in community. And thus, when he says, I'm going to make humans in my image to reflect me, to be a picture of what I'm like, it goes to plural language. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. He doesn't say that with the birds and the trees and the animals. He doesn't say that. But when he gets to humans, in the very DNA, in your very DNA of what it means to be a human is that there's some sense of plurality, that you are birthed out of relationship, that you image God and the essence of God. There is relationship there. This is why we are made for relationships. We're made for them. And indeed, when God comes to Adam, there's something very interesting that happens. You see, when God makes the different pieces of creation, he says it's good. So it will say something like, God made the light, and he said that it was good. And God made the plants, and he said that they were good. And God made the ocean, and he said it was good. The only thing that God said was not good, here's what it is. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. See, God creates Adam, and Adam has everything that you and I want. Adam has everything that you and I want. God gives him a job. He says he wants him to work the land, and he wants, to, he, wants him to, um, he wants him to name the animals, and he has a great job. He's got a fulfilling career, and he's got paradise. He's in the Garden of Eden. That, that makes whatever lake home or, or winter home that, that you want makes it look like nothing. He's got the Garden of Eden. He's got paradise. He's got tons of food. 
He's got non-GMO, organic, beautiful food, lush. It's free too, which is nice. He doesn't have to wait in line for it. It's gorgeous. It's breathtaking. He's in paradise. He's got a fulfilling career. He's got everything that you and I would want. He even has a great relationship with God, uninhibited. He's able to talk with God. He's able to speak with God and hear from God in this great community with God. And yet, God still said it's not good that he should be alone. It's not good that he should be alone. See, we need relationships because we were made for them. What this means is not just, hey, well, men are stupid and they need women. That's not what God means. It's not good that he should be alone. It's that he's a relational creature and he needs relationship to fully be who it is that God made him to be. See, if you have everything in life that you want, it still will not be satisfying without relationships. And this is not what we're actually told very often. You see, we are all told to cultivate relationships. This is not a new thing. But why are we told to do that? If you think about it from a career standpoint, you're told, hey, start networking, build your LinkedIn profile, connect with many people, build a relational network. Why? So that you can get ahead. If, if, if you think about it romantically, what are you told to look for? Someone that will make you happy. So yes, look for a relationship that will make you happy, that will fulfill you. See, we're told to cultivate relationships, but not because it's at the core of who we are, but rather to just serve us in our individuality. But what the Bible teaches is that we are made for relationships and that you will never fully be who it is that God intends you to be without relationships. You'll never rightly experience the life that God has for you if you're not rightly living in the relationships that you have. This is something that is very profound and very important because we all live in relationships. It's the air we breathe. And if you're a Christian, some of you I know are not, and that's great. We welcome you. We want to be a church that people can ask questions, that they can learn about God. But if you're a Christian, you confess that Jesus is the Lord of your life. But if Jesus isn't the Lord, the ruler, the governing person of your relationships, if he's not the Lord of your relationships, he's not the Lord of your life at all. Because relationships is the air we breathe. They're all around us. We're going to talk about relationships. And the first reason that we have relationships, the why of relationships, is first because we were made for them. We were made for them. Second is we need relationships to know who we really are. You see, without relationships, you don't actually know who you are. See, when you're by yourself, you think that you are great. Apart from relationships, you can't really know who you are. When you're by yourself, you think you're great. Right? What do you do when you're by yourself? When you're by yourself, you start to just contemplate your greatness. And what do you do? You know, take out your phone and you take a selfie. Right? Because you're just thinking how great you are. And you know what I need? A picture of myself. That would make me feel better so I can look at myself because I am so great. I'm going to take a selfie. And you don't ever just take a selfie plain-faced, right? You don't just catch yourself kind of normal and go, you always have a pose, do you not? It might be pouty, sassy, intense, right? Get the right angle, hold your hand at the right distance, get the, put the filter on it, or maybe you put no filter on it, but then you want to let us know. Hashtag no filter. I just look good, this good without a filter, you see. 
You take a selfie, maybe a selfie, F, G, H, I. You might take all sorts of them. And no one ever takes an othery, right? I mean, we take pictures of other people when they're with us, or we take pictures of other people if it's a special occasion or something, but you don't just walk up to someone for no random reason and go, this guy's having a hard day. This guy just got a haircut. We, don't, we take selfies because we, by ourselves, we think we're great. We think we're great, but we don't really know ourselves apart from others. I mean, think about this. You don't even know your own skill, abilities when you're by yourself. Did you ever think you were good at something until you were around others? I used to think I was really good at basketball. When I was a kid and and probably later than I would admit, uh, I, I thought I was really good at basketball until I played with people that knew how to dribble. I mean, I thought that basketball was about hustling. I was always told when I played basketball, you're a good hustler. Well, that's nice, but running up and down the court doesn't really do anything. It's not called hustle ball. There's a basket involved. That's like telling a swimmer, you look good in goggles. Well, thank you, but I'm doggy paddling, right? I thought I was good until I was around other people that actually knew how to play. Some of you are like this, and I'm going to just do you a service and burst your bubble. If you ever got a trophy that said, most sportsmanlike or most improved, I'm sorry, you're going to have to throw it away. Because all that means is that your parents didn't want you kicked off the team, and so they had to kind of appease your parents. But that was me, right? I thought I was good until I was around other people. Or you see this on American Idol, right? People that think they're great singers because they sing in the shower and they sing in the car, and then children are running and the judges are covering their ears. They're not actually good. Apart from other people, you don't even know what your own abilities are. It's not until you're in relationship with other people that you know who you really are. I mean, on a small level, think about, have you ever seen something in someone's teeth or hair or nose or clothes? I mean, you, you can't even see what you're like apart from other people. That's true on the small level, but it's true spiritually speaking as well. It's true character speaking as well. That we need other people, spiritually speaking, to get things out of our teeth to show us where we really are. We cannot even really know who we are apart from others in our lives. And we need this. We need other people to show us who we are in two different ways. We need people to do this for us intentionally, and we need people to do this for us unintentionally. Unintentionally, we need people to show us who we are. And often this is the casual relationships, people that we're not close with. My wife and I were on vacation uh, in December And we were in a place that had really busy streets, and every day we were walking to different places. We'd go to a restaurant here, go to the pool here, and really busy streets, okay? And one of my biggest pet peeves is people that don't know how to walk. I've thought, and I'm not talking like babies, I'm talking grown adults. I don't just get upset at toddlers, but grown adults that don't know how to walk. That instead of walking on the, what, what side of the path are you supposed to walk on? The same, it's like driving. You walk on the right side of the path if you're going this way. Walk on the left if you're going this way. You don't walk and then stop all of a sudden in the middle if you have to pull over to the side. It's like driving. I feel like there should be cops for walking people and they should get tickets the same way. But I get really bothered by that. Now listen to me. I know you think I'm weird, but okay, listen. I'm doing this and we're doing this every day, back and forth and walking and All these people that don't know how to walk. And all of a sudden I realize, why am I so upset about this? Why, even talking about it now, I'm like sweating, I need to take off my jacket. Why am I so upset about this? Why is this bothering me so much? 
and realize, man, there's impatience. I'm on vacation. It's not like I'm in a rush to get somewhere. I just want them moving out of my way, but preferably into the traffic. <laughs> um, why am I so bothered by this? I'm impatient. I'm frustrated. I'm irritable. Really, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm disdaining these people. I think I'm better than these people. You see, that would never have been exposed if I was just by myself. If I was just walking by myself, that would have been wonderful, but that would have never been exposed. You see, if you're by yourself, you don't ever see who you really are. If you're by yourself, think about this. It's hard to be a jerk by yourself. It's hard to be impatient by yourself. It's hard to be annoying by yourself. It's hard to be selfish by yourself. It's hard to be arrogant by yourself. Is it not? When you're by yourself, you can't really see who you are. And often we need those unintentional, those people weren't trying, I don't think, to show me, hey, you're, you're arrogant and you're impatient. They weren't trying to show me that. But it exposed stuff in my heart, what's really there. And often it's those casual relationships. Think about it. I mean, if you, if you ever go online and read the comments that people put on the Denver Post or on uh, different blogs or articles, people say things in comments they would never say in person. But because there's a barrier of anonymity, they feel free to be able to say what's really in their heart. Or think about, I mean, I've done this before. I've yelled at people on the phone that are that bad customer service type stuff, trying to figure something out. I would never do that in person to somebody. But those casual relationships often expose what's in our heart. Have you ever said something like this? Man, that person just brings out the worst in me. Well, yes, they do, but only because that's actually in there. It's not because of their fault. They're just exposing what's actually in your heart. And often we don't like relationships because it actually exposes what's in our hearts. Let me show you this. If I take this, this water and I shake it, why did water come out of there? Well, you could say because I shook it, and that's partially true. But it's because water is inside of here. The reason that when I shake this, water comes out is because water's inside of it. Relationships do that to us. They shake us. They, they're difficult, and they expose what's in our heart. You see, you won't really know who you are apart from relationships, even unintentionally showing you who you are, showing the parts in your heart that you would rather hide, that you would rather people not actually see. We also need this to happen intentionally. See, we need relationships to see who we really are unintentionally, but also intentionally. We need people to show us who we really are on purpose, to actually be intentional about this. Here's something Jesus says. This is in the book of Matthew, and this is what Jesus says. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. This passage teaches many things, but I want to just focus in on one thing here. What it says is that we are blind to our own condition. This is bigger than I thought it was going to be, but we're blind to our own condition. You see, we, we can see other people's issues really clearly. Can you not? It's like a superpower. I can see everything wrong with you. 
I can see the wrong way you talk, the wrong way you use your gestures, the wrong way you preach, the wrong way that you parent your kids, the wrong way that you operate in your marriage. You you can see everything wrong with people. It's really clear. But what Jesus shows us is that we're blind to our own condition, that we walk around with a log. I'm not strong enough to do this. I thought I was until other people were around. Um... We walk around with the log in our own eye. And we're looking at others going, hey, it looks like you've got something in your eye there. I think you should get that looked at by the optometrist. But we walk around with a log in our own eye and we're blind to our own condition. Other people's stuff we see clearly. But we don't see what's going on in our own lives as clearly as we see what's in other people's. I experience that all the time. It's really easy to see what's wrong with others. But we're blind to our own condition. And just like this, if I have a log in my own eye, that's dangerous to be around me, right? It's dangerous to be around people that are blind to their own condition. And you may say, well, I'm not blind to my own condition. I've looked at myself and, and I'm fine. I, I, look, I look okay. I'm, I'm, I've assessed my... But that's the whole point. You're blind to your own condition. See, have you ever done a, a 360 review or something like that at work? Where your employer gives an assessment of you, a peer gives an assessment of you, and then if you have any subordinates, they give an assessment of you. I hate those things. Because you're like, that is not true. I am not like that. But everybody's answers seem to agree. There's something here, something fishy, something going on when everyone's answers except for yours. I mean, have, have you had that in a performance review or 360? Or there's this game we used to play with friends called Imagine If... It's a great game. If, you, if you've never played it, it's a fun game. And what you do is you've got a group of friends sitting around, and uh, there's different cards, and you pick someone's name. So imagine if, I'll use my name instead of calling on one of you, but imagine if Caleb were this. What would he be like? So I'll read you this card. Imagine if Caleb were a special vehicle. Which would he be? A tank? An ambulance? A parade float? A garbage truck? An ice cream truck, a limousine. Which one would he be? And then everyone gives their answers, and all the friends give their answers, and then you select your own answer. And it's always really funny, because usually all the friends agree, yeah, you're a parade float. You're like, what, what are you saying about me? I'm not a parade float. I'm definitely a tank. You know, like, well, people's answers are very different. We see ourselves very different. We're blind to our own condition, and we're the only one blind to it. Other people see it. Very clearly, we're the one blind to our own condition. And we need other people in our life to lovingly, gently, carefully help take stuff out of our eyes. To help do that. And we need to be the kind of people that do that for others, but only after we get the log out of our own eye. You see, we need relationships because we're made for them. We need relationships because without them, you won't really see who you are. You need stuff to be exposed in your heart unintentionally. You need people in your life to lovingly, gently help you see your blindness. And often we hate that. We, we find difficulty in relationships, not because they're inaccurate, but because they're like a hotel mirror. You know those mirrors that are the magnifying mirrors? I hate those things. Not because they lie, but because they zoom in and show you, oh my gosh, look at my face, the pores. I feel like I'm a teenager with acne again. What is going on? I hate looking at those things. Not because they're telling, the, not because they're telling lies, 
but because they're zooming in and showing me what's really there. And relationships are like that. They can expose what's really going on. And we want the relationships around us because they're difficult. We want them to change, but God wants us to change. See, we find our relationships can be difficult, and so we want them to change, and we might even pray that God changes them, but God often wants us to be in them to change us. There's difficult relationships all around you, and there will be difficult relationships all around you. And I'm not saying you stay in difficult relationships. I'm not saying that necessarily. But what I'm saying is that you will always have difficult relationships around you, whether it's a boss or, or people that are walking on the street. It might be close ones or casual ones. You'll always have relationships that are difficult. And often we just want to escape that. But God wants to use those to actually shape us and change us. Finally, the last reason that we need relationships, why we have them, is to know who God really is. See, we need them to know who we really are, but we need them to know who God really is. We looked at earlier that The Bible says that we are made in the image of God, which means that we are made to reflect God. We're made to be a picture showing what God is like. Not not perfectly, not completely accurately, but we're made to image God. We're made to show what God is like, to be a reflection of what he's like. Now, the Bible teaches that because of sin, that mirror is cracked. It doesn't accurately reflect who God is. It's cracked. But pieces of that still come through. See, do you have anyone in your life that, I mean, it's kind of funny, right, to think how relationships can be so difficult. They can be like sharks and haunted houses and and all that stuff. And yet, we can also find a lot of joy in them. You have people in your life that have loved you. That's because they're showing a picture of what God is like. I'm I'm not saying they're intentionally doing this. I'm saying that God has made us in his image to show what he's like, to represent what he's like. And that shines through. Anytime that you've seen someone be kind to you, be loving to you, be gentle with you, be patient with you, be gracious with you when you don't deserve it, that's because the image of God is shining through. It's showing you a picture of what God is like. And that's not meant to just have you go, man, I really love this person. Yes, that's true. And we should be grateful and thankful for people in our life. But it's meant to go, if this is a picture, if this is a shadow of what God is like, man, I want to know that God. I want to know that God. See, any time that you see something good come through from another person, that's coming from the image, the imprint, the reflection, the picture of God. And it's to draw our eyes upward. It's like a sunbeam, and we see the light down here. It's to draw our eyes up and see the source. If that's the image, how much more beautiful, how much more wise, how much more powerful, how much more, how much more is the God that that image comes from? See, we need God. We need others, rather, to see who God really is. Likewise, we need others to see who God really is in this way. See, none of us fully know who God is. None of us can fully see who God is. There's an author named C.S. Lewis, famous author, and he since has passed, but he has this great story in a book of his called The Four Loves. And in The Four Loves, C.S. Lewis talks about this group of friends that he had. And uh, there's three of them. One of them dies. And C.S. Lewis is saying, you know, I was... 
And he doesn't, doesn't mean this in a morbid way. He was very sad that this friend died. He was a very close friend. But he says, in some ways, I was glad that he died because I thought it would give me more of Ronald. That's his other friend, his, which is uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, the author of Lord of the Rings. These guys were friends. And he said, so this guy died, and I thought, now I'll have more of Ronald. Because there was three of us, but now I don't have to share. I get him completely to myself. But what he says is he found he actually got less of him. He didn't get more of him. He got less of him. Because think about this. If you've ever had a group of friends, maybe if you go out for a beer with someone or coffee with someone or lunch with someone, just one of them, you have fun and it's a good time and you're able to get a relationship there. But why do we like to do things in groups of friends? Because other people bring out different parts. I love to hang out with all three of my brothers, not just one. Because we bring out different parts of the other. And this is what C.S. Lewis says happens. And he says, if this happens on a friendship level, doesn't this happen much more so with God? Here's, Here's this quote. He says, we possess, he's describing when this situation happened. We possess each friend, not less, but more as the number of those with whom we share him increases. So we get more of the friend, the more people there are. In this, friendship exhibits a glorious nearness by resemblance to heaven itself, where the very multitude of the blessed, which no man can number, increases the fruition which each has of God. For every soul, seeing seeing him in her own way, doubtless communicates that unique vision to all the rest. That says an old author, is why the seraphim, those are angels, and Isaiah's vision are crying, holy, 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 to one another. The more we thus share the heavenly bread between us, the more we shall all have. See, what C.S. Lewis says is that the same way that that works on a friendship level, that together we're able to show each other more clearly who God is. We need relationships in our life. Because they help us to see who God is more clearly. Just as Adam in the garden by himself, even him and God, it still wasn't good until there was relationships there to help more fully see who God is, more fully enjoy who God is. This is why the church and why community is so important. We cannot just have a relationship with God all by ourselves. We can, but it will not ever be as fully satisfying as it could be. It will never be as it was as God intends it to be. We need relationships in our life because we were made for them to know who we really are and to know who God really is. And much of what God wants to do in your life will only come through relationships Much of who God wants to make you, much of who God wants to form you into will only come through relationships. And only when you see God's purposes in your relationships will you know how to live in them. Let me me give you the sum of everything as we close. Here's the sum of it all. Every bad thing in your relationships, every bad thing that's exposed in your heart, every bad thing that you see whether it's because you're walking or because someone on the phone or because someone in line or because in traffic or because your parents or because your friends or because your bosses or because your co-workers, all the bad things in relationships are meant to show you your need for God. They're meant to show you that there's something wrong in our hearts, 
They're meant to show you that you're not as good as you think you are. They're meant to show you there's something gone wrong. They're meant to show you your need for someone outside of you, a savior. And here's what the Bible teaches, that we were made in the image of God. And yet what happened is in the garden, man and woman turned against God and they said they wanted to do their own thing. They rejected God, and ever since then, that has been our same disposition. We may outright reject God consciously. We may just ignore God or dismiss God as unimportant. Or we may build our lives replacing God with other things at the center of our lives. What's at the center of your life? We can build our lives on other things and reject God. And what the Bible teaches is though we were made in God's image, though that's how we were made, When sin entered in, it became distorted. And so all those problems we see that flow out of our hearts, that's where that's from. And we need someone to save us, which is why God came down to this earth. Jesus, who is God, came down to this earth to save us. He went to the cross, and on the cross, he died a death that we should have died. See, all that stuff that you see in your heart, the Bible calls that sin. And we think it's not that bad, but God looks at it and says, this is not who you were made to be. This is not who I created you to be. And we should get what we deserve, which is death, which is separation from God forever. But instead, God says, look, I'm coming down and I'm going to go to the cross and I'm going to pay the penalty that you deserve and take it upon myself. And then Jesus rose from death. He resurrected by the power of God and invites us then into experience new life, relationship with him where he begins to put that image back together. He begins to restore that image that was broken in us. See, every bad thing in your relationships, it exposes the depths of your heart. But every good thing we see in relationships is meant to drive us to this good, merciful, gracious God. The Bible says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He perfectly shows us who God is. And unless you realize that there's a Savior, you will either ignore the stuff that's exposed in your heart because you don't want to admit it, or you'll be crushed by it. See, if you truly see who you are, if you let relationships bring out and show who you truly are, you're either going to ignore it or you're going to be crushed by it. Unless you see that there's someone that knows the depths of your heart, that knows all of that stuff in there. He knows it all. And yet he loves you enough to enter into relationship with you, to bring you into relationship with himself through Jesus. This is why we need relationships. We need relationships because we're made for them to show us who we really are, to show us who God really is.